0: you think we've been doing this two years god damn it (laughs) Micah! it's two years in a row you missed your cue again i had my whole time rich voice plan the fuck out and we had it all we we're gonna get it right this year for our two year anniversary now we wait for our three year anniversary you know what I know what I should do I should talk about shit about you on Twitter oh wait I fucking deleted it <laughs> off my fucking phone for my own goddamn sanity so I can make myself fucking happy just cut a fucking easy nice little bit that we worked on last year we talked about it like hey Michael you really fucked that up we did notes we talked about like hey maybe you shouldn't say peas really loud into the microphone turn your head to the side but no no no, no. we didn't fucking go over again what you're supposed to fucking do do when I do the fucking Tommy Rich for our two-year anniversary, so here we are, fucking again.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa! Who is Tommy Rich? Holy shit! <laughs> that was a joke. I was just trying to enrage Jake more. Oh no, no, Did no. it Work you, if, for a split want, second.
0: No, no, no! If you want, you, if you want rage, I'm gonna give you rage yeah. right here, right now. I'm gonna keep this very vague. I'm just gonna go ahead and say this story even though I'm very emotionally raw about it, but I'm going to go and say it. I was in a place where I wasn't wanted, and I decided I'm going to leave, but I needed somebody to give me a ride. Of course, I'm in a place with a bunch of wrestling fans. Like everybody everybody in this domicile, uh, I'm not even going to tell you if it's a house or an apartment or what the hell it is or a big co-op, whatever. Um, I'm <laughs> in some sort of building where there are just a bunch of wrestling fans, and I notice an autographed picture of Harley Race on a counter. And I go, oh, cool. And I'm about ready to go out the door because I'm no longer welcome to where I'm at. And I see this picture of Harley Race and I go, Harley Race, that's cool. And said person who was giving me a ride was like, yeah, we didn't know who he was. We had to look him up. (laughs) All of those people who were said wrestling fans had no idea who Harley Race was. To which I stopped feeling very vulnerable and i and i looked at said person and i go you know what the reason why i'm leaving right now let's go ahead and change that the reason i'm leaving this location is you all claim to be wrestling fans and you have no no idea who harley races a cornerstone athlete in professional wrestling so take me to where i need to go because of that not because of this other thing so hopefully that's vague enough, but I'm glad you brought that up. It's, <laughs> it's something that's been on my chest now for <laughs> an know. undetermined amount of time. So you can't figure out exactly what's going on with my life.
2: All right. Welcome to 10 Bill Pod for over two years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. I'm Nick. And for two years around the sun, I have been joined by Micah Loving.
1: Hello, this is Micah. Uh, and if you detect any weird tension between me and Nick throughout this episode, two days ago he busted me out of two poker tournaments, and I'm still kind of on tilt and kind of hate him a little bit. So <laughs> just just be aware of that throughout the episode.
2: Don't forget the previous week when I busted you, Ace Queen versus Aces. All right. Oh my um, God,
1: I'm not even gonna fucking.
2: And our third man here. Here we go. Walking by the stream with his champ poles, wearing his badges, digging some holes goes to the park to get the scoop that's when he sees tent working to shoot jake walks up says you're talking to me tent bucks up says you ain't sleeping in me scout picks him up and stops to say you're getting zipped up and put away because the scout in the woods is always hard the tent talking trash will slam them hard knowing nothing in life but this camping shit the man scout books says they use them for flint
1: Have you yes, thought about submitting that to Weird Al? Because he might take that.
0: I'm thinking about doing that for this promo video I'm I'm <laughs> recording with Brian Penn. Like, I was going to do this big, hard concept video that was going to be all serious and stuff like that. I may just want to use that.
2: You should. <laughs> Rapping is very hard, and that took me a lot of tries.
0: It's even harder cool. when, after you record that, that Shook Knight hangs you by your ankles off the balcony.
2: <laughs> and injects you with AIDS, but, you know. <laughs> all right, let's just... Uh, Jake Manning, everybody. Yep, that's me. I feel like you're underselling the work I put into that. All right, so <laughs> maybe get an actual rapper to do it. I'll send you the lyrics. And
1: No, no, it needs to be bad like you did. No,
0: you did it perfect. <laughs> yeah, you did. Emotionless, great. <laughs>
1: So today we're going to be
2: throwing around a lot of words like trendsetter, pioneer, trailblazer, important, revolutionary, because today we are talking about the ninth wonder of the world, China.
1: I think the most disturbing thing that I've learned throughout this entire podcast was that China dated Brutus the Barber Beefcake when she was 18 years old. Did, Did we all learn that? And did we have fucking traumatic nights after learning that?
2: I did not know that.
1: You did not know that. Holy shit. Yeah, that is, uh, think about that. Brutus was 30, she was 18.
0: Did Brutus say that or did China say No,
1: this this was China saying it.
2: Okay.
0: And right, I th- I'll, I'll I got I got, it. I
1: got Okay.
2: Well, at least she was 18, which is more than we can say about most wrestlers these days. Oh, so, that's what I was hoping well, someone just, would hit. All right. Moving along. All right. So, uh, Joan Marie Lauer was born in Rochester, New York on December 27th, 1969
1: and couldn't find anything too good but also on this day american author and journalist sarah val was born which i thought for an author and journalist was pretty cool to have a last name of val that'd be like nick's last name being hollywood (laughs) or jake's last name being workaholic who dies of exhaustion
2: no rebuttal from
1: jake (laughs) nothing from jake well that sucked he's too tired
2: All right, uh, so China wasn't much of a pro wrestling fan growing up, but uh, she was familiar with the sport since her brother was a huge fan, and he even did some backyard wrestling. Fucking nerd. Yeah. Let's just get sad right from the start. Uh, pretty rough childhood. Her father was an alcoholic, often getting so drunk that he would bring home other women, forgetting that he was married. <laughs> that is only an excuse a man could think of.
0: That or Ozzy Osbourne. That's that's the Ozzy Osbourne excuse.
2: (laughs) Joni's mom wasn't much better. She was physically and verbally abusive. And I don't want to tell you how to raise your kids, but stop hitting them and screaming at them because you're giving them depression and anxiety and low self-worth. And then they grow up and find out that their sense of morality, Hulk Hogan, is a fucking racist and you're ruining their (laughs) lives.
1: You know, this is like the first 10 minutes of the episode, right, Nick? Yes, I'm sorry. All right, moving on. Uh, China's...
2: (laughs) China's parents divorced when she was around four. From there, she'd have three different stepfathers and one stepmother. She was constantly moving around. In seventh grade, she finally found a friend and an anchor and a teacher at Penfield High School. But nope, he tried to crystallia her with a kiss, so there's some more emotional <laughs> trauma for you. Oh, boy. With all that combined, China developed a eating disorder and... She would start to experiment with drugs and alcohol at a young age. So at 16, her mom tried to force her into rehab, which I think she was just smoking weed and drinking some beer. I don't know if that's rehab worthy. Instead, she went to live with her biological father, who was like, oh, shit, I have a daughter. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> China would use working out and fitness as an outlet, which is, you know, it's a pretty productive place to hide your emotions. Right, Jake? Yep. (laughs) She finished up her last year of high school in Spain, then attended the University of Tampa, graduating in 92 with a major in Spanish literature. Then, Jesus Christ, what are we? We're 12 minutes in and I've already lost my faith in humanity like 10 times. She was also sexually assaulted in college to... Just a fucking Christ. But despite all this, despite this laundry list of atrocities brought upon her, this strong motherfucking woman still wanted to do some good in the world. And after college, she joined the Peace Corps and was assigned to Guatemala. And I think she only lasted about four months because the work and the living conditions out there are pretty damn brutal. She then came back to America where she'd bounce around job to job, uh, doing some stuff like bartending, waitressing, singing in the band. But then she would really wrap up her dedication to fitness and bodybuilding. In 96, she competed in a bunch of New York City regional level Fitness America competitions. But apparently she was like too jacked and she didn't place well because she was so much larger than all the other women. Total
1: bullshit.
0: And how many Guidos are in (laughs) attendance for a bodybuilding event in New York? There is a vowel at the end of everybody's name in that competition. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so in her mid to late 20s, Joni was living in the Florida Keys and she took herself a six week class to be trained as a flight attendant. But on her way to her first flight, she was in a car accident and spent four days in the hospital. This is the what? saddest fucking story already. We haven't even gotten to the really sad shit.
0: Like wrestling, that's that's the yeah. saddest part is just like yeah, we, haven't, yeah. we haven't even got to pro wrestling yet where a lot of the emotional damage happened.
1: It's always fun when the most damaging parts are also the most successful parts.
0: After
2: recovering from this car accident, Joni's sister gave her a job selling pagers and it was while she was living with her sister, she came home to catch her watching wrestling. And you know, she'd seen it in previous years, but for some reason this time it really clicked with her. She saw the big production, the athleticism, and she thought, OK, I'll try this out. So she started calling around places, mostly only finding boxing gyms. But uh, she got passed on to a fellow named Walter Killer who ran a school in Malden, Massachusetts. And he said it was $2,000 to get trained. Jake, why y'all motherfuckers charge so much? If it were $500, I would have got trained and I would be on my 17th world title run. But you, Michael and George South took that from me.
0: Oh, really? It's that much? Because I'm pretty sure it was $300. So um, <laughs> I don't know who told you five, but it's 300 bucks to train at the high spot school, which has produced oh. Cedric Alexander, Caleb Connolly, myself, if that fucking means anything these days, and Tessa oh. Blanchard, if that means anything these days. I don't know how people <laughs> feel about her today. whatever some people like her some people don't she sells a lot of eight by tens i know that much because i pull those orders every day like hey you were not nice to me and here's your picture for this person right here
1: when i learned how committed she was to getting that two grand she actually uh she did singing telegrams which i don't know how many things i would want to do where i would do singing telegrams to make (laughs) that money
0: was there covid during that era like listen if these Facebook auctions wouldn't have worked, singing telegrams was ne- next on the list. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> like We would have had Hacksaw Jim Duggan, sing you a telegram. Oh, man. <laughs>
2: that's a Patreon tier. Man, Scout, all the way in character, singing you a song. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah, that's, that's only the $50 level. Only $50.
2: <laughs> so, uh, like Micah said, she did all the jobs, just trying to grind up that $2,000, and she Finally did it. She got some training. She said it was, I think, three times a week and then once on the weekend. But China wasn't exactly a fan of Killer's Wrestling School.
1: And vice versa.
2: But she'd push through. She'd have her first match in 1995 against a male wrestler dressed as a woman, which is either super progressive or super not progressive.
1: (laughs) I don't know which.
2: She'd start working the independent circuit as Joni Lee. She made her own costumes, she did her own promo videos, and some of her earliest matches were set up by the fabulous Moolah. Hasn't she suffered enough?
0: Just to go to show, that that woman's fingers were everywhere. In everybody's pie, everybody's pockets, that woman, her reach was far and wide
2: in uh 96 a friend of Joni's put her in touch with a wwf office person she wouldn't say who she went to go meet him after a show but she waited in the bleachers and no one ever came out but luckily she ran into david hebner who told her where the boys were so she drove there and that's when she ran into stone cold triple h and Shawn michaels and Trips and Shawn Michaels uh, saw all the potential in this giant yoked woman, so they took her pictures to show them to Vince.
0: Oh, is it, is this where I do my Shawn Michaels impersonation? Because, <laughs> no, which no. is just my actual fucking voice. Hey, uh, Vince, uh, I think we really need this girl right here. Uh, I think she could, like, watch my back um, better than what British Bulldog did in that nightclub at Syracuse. Like, he was awful. I think she would be great. Like, <laughs> when I shoot my mouth off uh, in front of a bunch of Marines, I think she could I, – I know for sure she can get beat the shit out of at least two or three ma- Marines, and that's really what I'm looking for in a bodyguard is somebody who could actually beat the shit out of Marines. I mean, she was in the Peace Corps, so I was kind of thinking, like, yeah, you know, keep around. Cool. So when, like, I get these Marines bow up after I hit on their girlfriend all that long – Um, She'd be like, "Hey, I was on the Peace Corps," and be like, "Oh, uh, mm," and then they think about it for a second, and then I'm out the back door to take some more pills." (laughs) Take some
2: more pills. Vince right away did not believe that the guys would want to sell for a woman, but Trips and HBK kept on pushing. Meanwhile, China and Triple H struck up a friendship since they lived near each other. They started training. They started working out together, and soon they'd start. Uh Oh, after six months of lobbying for China, Triple H just finally kind of gave up on it and recommended her to Kevin Nash. And she was set to become the first ever female member of the NWO. But on the actual day she was flying out to meet with WCW, Shane McMahon called her up and told her to stop. He was going to get her a job. Then after another six months, she was finally hired after Sean dangled not dropping the belt if they didn't finally hire her. Look at the click doing some good, Jake.
0: See, we're creating opportunities, creating a job, you know, as as the true click apologist. I must apologize for, you know, suggesting that, you know, Shawn Michaels would have a pill habit, even though he's very open about it. But uh, I was merely making comedy. Sorry, HBK. Hopefully I can still retain my membership in the click. And... It's it's a shame that old my good boy Kevin Nash couldn't couldn't get China into WCW, but let's be honest, WCW wouldn't have done as a well a job as what WWE did at basically creating every type of anxiety in life for China. So I think WCW just would have given her a shitload of money and she would have been fine. So whatever. <laughs> Alternate timeline.
2: Joni would make her WWF debut. February 16, 1997 at In Your House 13 Final 4. Triple H was taking on Rocky Maivia for the Intercontinental Championship when Gold Dust, who Trips was feuding with, comes out to interrupt. This allows the Rock to suplex and bridge him for the three count. Marlena comes out and joins Gold Dust just to gloat in Triple H's failure. That's when a crazed fan starts choking Marlena from behind and spoiler alert, that fan
0: was China.
1: And I got to admit, her rear naked choke, pretty fucking solid. If she wanted to, (laughs) she probably could have put Marlena out to sleep right there.
0: That's why was like, hey, she can take out two Marines. Let's get her. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So the next night on
2: Raw, Kevin Kelly conducted an in-ring interview with Gold Dust when Marlena said that Gold Dust was more of a man than Helmsley could ever be. So Trips walks out. He gives Goldie the pedigree, leading to Marlena slapping him. That's when China comes out. And this is something I always think of when I think of China is she picks her up and just rag dolls the shit out of. Taylor yeah.
1: Hands. And I love Jr. And everybody, they're still like, they're still trying to tell the story that this is a fan. And that this is just a totally acceptable thing. It's like, put her in jail, put her in jail. It's just a random fan. And they even, I think uh, Lawler has a line where it's like ECW fans think they can just be part of the show. <laughs>
2: China would more or less take the role of a manager and or bodyguard and soon she would become a founding member of DX with Rick Rude, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels. What are some of your favorite memories of China pre-WWF ring days, kind of being on the outside with DX?
1: From being a huge movie fan, and she had that vibe and she gave off that terror of the strong silent dude in the movie that doesn't do anything or hasn't done anything yet but you know when shit goes down he will kick the living shit out of everyone and China gave me that true like I'm actually legit scared of this person because they look like a monster but they haven't done anything because they know they don't have to do anything
0: yet I'm a big fan of female assassins (laughs) like especially protecting like the shitty boss like, shitty male yeah. boss, I'm, I'm yeah. a big fan of it, and Shawn Michaels is that, you know? Like, there's all those old-timers that are still around that th- saying that he shouldn't even be holding the title because he couldn't win a fist fight, all these things, but the fact that he has the roughest and toughest person in his faction is, is a woman just adds more to it, it adds that undertone to it of just like, here he is his little yapping puppy dog when there's this massive bulldog that just could rip somebody's head off and you always believed it and she had such a presence that would just completed the whole package because even triple h like you know now it's funny to say that he didn't have credibility of being a tough guy where like i feel like as soon as he got to the main event scene he spent two decades explaining to us how much of a badass he was (laughs) but there was a time very early on where even Triple H had those vibes of like, oh, if it was a real fight, he'd get his ass whooped. Yeah, and there was there was that time, there was that, and the fact that you have have that where like the one person that you're like, oh no, I can't whip that person, it just so happens to be the female in the back with her arms crossed.
2: We all knew it was it was going to be a matter of time before China got in between the ropes, but as she grew as a badass legit threat backstage a lot of the guys they still didn't really want to sell for her but one guy who would step up and do it was mark henry so he'd be china's first kind of solo angle with mark falling for her very hard launching a whole capulet and montague situation with their home teams dx and the nation of dominations being in a big rivalry
0: also too i think this has been said very publicly uh mark henry kind of a freak (laughs) But there was a time that in an airport you could buy basically like Playboys, Hustler, whatever. Yeah, I remember those days. And during those days, Mark Henry would buy said magazines and would be reading them on the flight and just (laughs) pulling out the full full spread (laughs) and not care. Who's sitting beside him? Who's sitting behind him? Who's sitting over his shoulder? Who could see said materials which he is looking at and, and holding for Rose behind him to even see? That's that's a story that I, that I, I've heard about him a time or two. Just full on Playboys and read them as if they were the Wall Street Journal.
2: Very European of him. <laughs> so on September 14th, ninety eight Raw, Triple H with China and X-Pac was taking on Owen Hart with Mark Henry. China hops up on the apron to distract the ref and Mark Henry comes over to pull her down. X-Pac jumps on him from behind and Mark just shrugs him off so China decks him. Meanwhile, Triple H gives the pedigree to Owen for the win, but Mark grabs the mic, walks up the ramp and challenges X-Pac and China to a handicap match. Later that night, they have the match. Did you guys watch this?
1: I did. Uh China with the double leg takedown, bravo. And Mark Henry's uh sell on it to make it look really good and believable.
2: Also, uh, China and X-Pac hit Mark with a double suplex, which was pretty cool. Yeah. She hit Mark with a spear and some punches, but to close it out, China comes off the top rope. She gets caught by Mark for the power slam and the win. But still, this is a huge moment for women's wrestling for China's career. And then right after this historic step forward for women's wrestling, they have a sable and Jacqueline evening gown match. Ba dump, bump, ba dump, bump rolling into january of 99 china was about to make a lot more history first she qualified for the royal rumble by winning the corporate rumble
1: this was pretty fun where uh eventually it gets down to just vince he thinks he won and then china comes out and then of course stone cold music hits and vince shits his pants and that gives china the opportunity to throw him out and then of course stone cold beats the shit out of vince it was a fun short little segment put china over
2: on January 24th 99 China would become the first ever woman to enter the Royal Rumble it's uh, short and sweet coming out at number 30 lasting about 35 seconds she hops in goes straight for Mark Henry even tosses him out to get an elimination but then don't call close lines here
1: and also this I think before this that it was revealed that uh, Mark Henry had to confess to his mama that he didn't actually bang China or some <laughs> weird shit
0: <laughs> See, Mama, this Playboy magazine. Uh, I didn't do. I didn't touch any of these parts on China. <laughs>
2: China would make more waves the following night on Raw, January twenty fifth, and this is a very ten bell pod heavy episode. You have Draws taking on George Still mabel attacks al snow there's a coco beware blue blazer run in during an owen hart match and then in the main event the rock takes on triple h with china ringside in an i quit match and of course this is following 99's rumbles i quit match where rock tried to open up mankind's head like it was a can of soup
1: i mean it was only 18 chair shots right
2: we get to a spot where Triple H is about to pedigree rock through an announce table and the corporation comes out. Kane grabs China and puts her halfway up in a choke slam and the boss man is on the mic and he tells trips to quit or China's getting slammed. So Triple H grabs a mic and gives up. Triple H comes in to check on China who hits him right in the duck. Then the corporation beats down Triple H and this is a pretty big hill turn. So China hits Triple H's dick to get closer to the McMahon family, but Triple H would use his dick to get into the McMahon family. In closing, Triple H's dick is some kind of pro wrestling affinity gauntlet.
0: That's why he keeps pointing at it. (laughs) That is true.
2: There's some Triple H dick stuff going on. After this hill turn, China would work a bunch of house show matches against Triple H. She'd interfere in a bunch of Triple H and X Pac matches, leading to St. Valentine's Day Massacres pay per view, Valentine's Day 99. Right after a Mr. Socko t shirt commercial, China teamed up with Kane to take on X Pac and Triple H.
1: I like the very beginning of this match where Triple H rips off his China shirt and throws it at her and Michael Cole has the brilliant call of that's symbolism. (laughs) Thank you, Michael. You fucking nailed the shit out of it.
0: You know what else is symbolism? Triple H continuing to point at his dick which is the most important key. It is a horcrux. It is a horcrux. (laughs) Must be destroyed.
1: One sidebar highlight of this is Shane McMahon's commentary. I'm pretty fucking sure he's on cocaine through this. (laughs) And at one point X-Pac knocks out Shane and then Shane gets back up and goes back on commentary. And for the rest of the match, he commentates with this type of enraged urgency, the same way I do when I bet on a game or a fight and every single maybe bad pass or punch that doesn't go your way, you react to with fucking out of control anger. (laughs) And it's, it's so spot on. It's like, I, I watching this match. I'm pretty sure Shane bet on the match because that's the only way to explain how beautifully pissed off he is during it.
2: China is involved in the finish, where it ends up being her and Triple H in the ring, and he's about to pedigree her, but Kane runs in to make the save. He gives Triple H a choke slam and puts China on top, and she gets the pin.
1: Right after this, building up through the Triple H feud is on the two twenty eight ninety nine episode of heat where gilberg is coming out remember they did the whole goldberg entrance all the way from his dressing room and gilberg's getting let out by security and then all of a sudden china comes out and beats the shit out of gilberg (laughs) And then she throws him through the entranceway. China beats the shit out of the, the sparkler guys, which is Gilberg's Pyro, and then she runs into the ring and calls out Triple H. It was a really cool moment that they put China over hardcore to really amp up the Triple H heat. And then we get
2: into the swerviest, broest part of the storyline at WrestleMania 15. China turned on Kane during his match with Triple H, hitting him with a chair. Triple H then gives Kane a big old unprotected chair shot to the dome, hits him with uh-huh. a pedigree for the win. And then we get a little Macho Man Elizabeth reunion moment.
1: It was pretty nice. I, I was surprised how much, like, oh, and the, the crowd's really into yeah. it. It's pretty cool.
2: But then later that night, more swerve broing. China and Triple H turned on DX when they helped Shane beat X Pac.
1: Also a fun little sidebar throughout on that China gets hit in the face with a fireball by Kane at one point, which you know, bravos to China for taking a fireball.
0: Welcome to nineteen ninety nine WWF. <laughs> We're gonna yeah. swerve the fuck out of you and let's make sure we have unprotected chair shots and fireballs. Uh, can somebody bleed on the way to the ring, please? <laughs>
2: And then we get into some more history for China here. In June 99, China would become the first woman to qualify for the King of the Ring when she beat Val Venus with the help of the Deep State and COVID to qualify. At the actual King of the Ring event, she's going to get bounced in the first round by Rote Dog, and this is also another really memorable China moment for me when she goes for the low blow, but Rote Dog is wearing the metal cup, and she hits her <laughs> full It's
1: so good, man. Well, we'll get to the other match, but I thought th- this match actually surprised me with how good it was. Seriously. Like, I mean, the way they're working together and the, the, the way the crowd cares. After hearing so much about China's ring work, this one was pretty damn fun. And
2: in an era of... Two, three, four minute pudding matches. She gets to go thirteen minutes at King of the Ring. I mean, this is like a huge moment.
1: Yeah, Road Dog. I mean, Road Dog's. You know, he's working his ass off and killing it too. But I I can't put this match over enough for what it should be. It's really good.
2: They keep saying things like Road Dog's gonna lose to a woman. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. There's no world in which China wouldn't shoot beat the shit out of Brian James. Like there's. I don't understand why they're making such a big deal out of it.
0: Definitely not the one we live in. I I don't know. Like uh, You say, not a world. Definitely not the world right now that we are discussing on this podcast.
2: As a uh, founding member of DX, she would get pulled into some DX drama after they split into two, which led to 99 Fully Loaded when China and Billy Gunn would take on X-Pac and Road Dogg for their rights to DX. And, you know, this is another really solid wrestling match. And at this point, it, like, kind of feels normal for her to be in there with, like, the dudes. Like, she's really... I, to me, at this point, she was
0: starting to, like, earn her spot, you know? Well, and also wasn't, like, there's some weirdness. Like, this was a very confusing time in WWF. Like, I'm still not 100% sure who won the King of the Ring 1999. They say Billy Gunn, but I think there wasn't also a thing, like, if she, billy gunn loses this match that china would be the winner of the king of the ring and i think they even went as far as change that on wwe.com so it was always listed wow. as china it was it was weird and i think it was about this time when like dx was splitting up and like oh the king of the ring crown will switch and like i still i remember that happening and just being like who the fuck won the king of the ring <laughs> like, just I tell don't... me
1: a name just even as a
0: 38 year old man with the amount of distance that 20 years later, 20 years plus, if you put a gun to my head and you ask me who won King of the Ring 1999, I don't know. And I don't know if I have a weird Mandela effect going on right now or I could just sit down watch it and it would be explained to me. But I also know that Vince Russo wrote it, so that doesn't help. So good luck. And then you're splitting up DX, but we're DX. It's DS versus DX. We've already done DX versus DX or DX swerved against each other and it's just...
2: Then China would become the first female to ever become the number one contender for the WWF Championship. HBK put China in a match against Triple H and Taker to determine the number one contendership. Uh, Stone Cold comes out with a chair and smashes Triple H, puts China on top of him. <laughs> she gets the pin. Making her the number one contender. So, on the go home raw before SummerSlam on August 16th, Triple H starts off the show with a promo. He asks China to give him the number one contender spot after everything he's done for her, uh, but China says no.
1: And he drops an ungrateful bitch.
2: That sways China to accept the match. So later in the night, they're wrestling, and Mankind makes a surprise return after he had been out for a few months. He hits trips with chairs as a measure of revenge for Hunter putting him out with a sledgehammer. China again pins Triple H for the win, but then <laughs> no. Foley grabs a mic and asks China to wrestle him for the number one spot. He's met with a big old dick punch and a big no.
1: Pretty much it, yeah.
2: But then. WWF Commissioner Shawn Michaels comes out and he sets up the match for some weird reason. I don't get what Shawn Michaels was doing as Commissioner. He was there, like, it's, flippy this, floppy. Is,
1: this is a dumpster fire. It's a dumpster fire.
0: <laughs> we gotta keep Shawn employed. We have him under contract. We gotta use him some way, somehow. Right. He doesn't want to wrestle right now. We, But he's got this big contract. We gotta get our value out. Quit Shawn Michaels on TV and see what happens.
2: Sean makes Mankind wrestle China and she gets a big old mouthful of Sako and takes the L and she never goes on to SummerSlam to wrestle Stone Cold for the title.
1: And the rest of it doesn't include China, but just for the fucking shit show that it is, Sean comes out and then makes Mankind versus Triple H for later in that night for the for the number one contender shot. There's like three or four matches in one raw to change who would be the number one contender. It's it's amazing.
2: That fall, China started a feud with Jeff Jarrett, playing a very sexist character, or as WWF writers call it, a character.
1: He basically just does Andy Kaufman's gimmick. That's yeah, exactly yeah. what the fuck Jeff Jarrett does here.
2: Behind the scenes, though, China said that Jeff was like super supportive and really cool about like putting her over and taking bumps and you know selling for. Her.
0: Oh, when Jeff Jarrett like fucks up Mulan May, it's the greatest <laughs> thing ever. Like it's just. <laughs> it's 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 next level comedy just like i can't and of course those those tough old broads are like ah hit me harder kid if you don't hit me hard i'm gonna come for you in your nightmares you know like
1: yeah i think jeff has one segment where he pulls an audience member in quotes out of the ring and then she can't vacuum well enough so he puts her in the figure four so that's where we're at around this
0: I think he put, like, Stacey Carter in the figure four. Like, he's just (laughs) figure four in everybody. It's everybody with a vagina. It's just like, (laughs) let me put a figure four on you.
1: Kitchen comment, kitchen comment, figure four, kitchen comment.
2: They'd have a match at 99's Unforgiven for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. And it is another solid match. I mean, Jeff's a good worker. China is right on his heels. Uh, there's a ton of fuckery for the ending. Uh, May Young and Mula get involved, which means China probably lost 90% of her pay off the top. A scorned <laughs> Debra walks out and uh, clocks Jeff with his own guitar. China gets to cover and becomes Intercontinental Champion until. Tom Pritchard <sighs> comes out and narks like a motherfucker. The best Pritchard? So they have another match at 99's No Mercy in a good housekeeping hardcore match and some backstage stuff here. Jarrett's contract was about to expire as he was the champion, so he apparently held up Vince for like $300,000 to drop the belt clean. Yeah. Jake, you know this? Well, as has
0: been detailed in Bruce Prichard's podcast, is that it was more of a situation of they'd kind of neglected to check the specific dates on Jeff's contract so they didn't roll it over they weren't going to renew it but they didn't take into consideration so they weren't thinking about looking at it and they just realized oh shit his contract ends before this pay-per-view now he's clearly got a deal with WCW and he's going to go to WCW who is obviously a main competitor at that time now Jeff knows that he's got all these house shows and even this pay-per-view revenue, and he's going to leave, and he has no contractual obligation with the company to do this show. So, you know, are these people going to be as timely on giving him his pay-per-view payout for this? So what he just wants is like, hey, I just want the money that I would make tonight, but I want it right now before I go to the ring, because... I'm going to the competitor, and I don't think you're going to give me this money when I go to WCW. Like, you'll tell me, fuck off, and I have no protection because I have no contract, you know? So I'm not going to give you any protection with this belt. So he just like, I just want the money that I'm owed, and we'll go from there. But the just the probably another annoyance in Vince's head and he probably saw, why'd you hold me up? You know I'm a man of my word. We're Jeff's old promoter and of course his father fucked people over a million times (laughs) over. (laughs) So he's like, hey, I know how promoters work. Just make sure I get my money for tonight tonight, as opposed to wait for the check when the pay-per-view money comes in three or four weeks from now. Because I'm obviously a low priority because I won't be an employee anymore and I'll be working for your competitor. So I don't want to fight you for the money that I'm owed. Just give me the money that I'm owed. And you know, people have spun it as he held them up. He was just getting the money. He wasn't jacking it up. He just wanted the money that he would have got anyways. So that's always the story that that I've heard over the last couple of years, which is just smart business. And it's, not sour grapes and it's not like hey i want more i just want what i'm owed but i want it now right. at this specific moment it's like asking for a draw which fucking rick flair did how many times to promoters as opposed to wait for the check to come in like nope i want some of that money right here right now because i need it because uh, i gotta spend <laughs> yep. it all right now at the bar um <laughs> but you know it's just him protecting himself and i mean anything that a good responsible uh independent contractor would do which you know apparently that's what everybody is So this is a good
2: housekeeping hardcore match where you can use weapons, but they have to be household items. And this is another jump up in, in history, you know, while the women's title is being defended and suck this golf ball through a water hose match, China is doing hardcore matches and revolutionizing, you know, the way women are looked at in the sport. She goes through a fucking table. Yeah. She's using (laughs) weapons and, you know, she's standing toe to toe with Jeff and it, it feels believable. Eventually, Jeff hits China with his title and pins her, but wait, much swerve, fairy bro. Teddy Long says, Nuh uh, player, the title is not a household item, and tries to restart the match by bringing out The Undertaker. But China hits Jeff with the guitar, she gets the pin, and finally, no questions about it, China was the Intercontinental Champion.
1: Okay, I want to ask a question because some of the items they use make sense household items, trash can, frying pan. A salami, toilet seat, a fucking fish, cream pies, but I, got, I want to pull both of you. Is a guitar a household item?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I have a guitar in my house. Don't talk to me about that shit, because, like, <laughs> right now, as we're recording this, we have a, a Facebook Live auction with, with Jeff Rudd, who's our longtime graphics employee. I, he is a longer employee of High Spots than I am, and his Sunday show is what it is. It's it's quite fine, but the big item that most people buy are his mystery box type item, and they're themed. And it's just like a lucha box. So it's whatever lucha libre stuff, like a mask, DVDs, right. an autograph or something like that. Well, when he first started doing it, he goes, hey, we're selling this beach box. This beach box is only $25. Get this beach box right here. Mystery items right here. It's going to be roughly about $50, $40 value for $25. Get this beach box. We sold 50 fucking beach boxes. Wow! Did not tell what? them what the fuck was in it. <laughs> to which after the program was over we go to Jeff and go, "Hey Jeff, um what do we put in this beach box?" He goes, "I don't know, whatever you want, beach related items." <laughs> God. So then Jake Manning, who's already at the ends of the fabric of his reality, um Ben <laughs> has to go through the High Spots office, a wrestling wrestling merchandise company. And figure out what in this office is a beach related item (laughs) that I can put into a bag now that I have to come up with roughly 40 to 50 dollars worth of website value (laughs) and also too we have to have 50 of said items if I had to just produce 10 maybe that's a little bit easier doing but I have to come up with 50 items
2: surfer sting stuff you know surfer beach Uh, that's good you got bash bash at the beach stuff there's
1: there's a whole catalog there you could do Beach Blast, what it was before Bash at the Beach, right?
0: Do you uh, think do uh, how many Beach Blast VHS tapes do you think of? <laughs> Like how many do you think of, and, and surfer sting? That's a poster that's worth fifty dollars. You want me to surfer sting posters? Fifty dollars, and then that's one item in the beach box. What about typhoon? Typhoon is beach related.
1: Oh, it's not bad. It's not bad.
0: We just took every like diva that had a bikini shoot and uh, it okay, <laughs> <they'll be happy. laughs> we had a, a shitload of stuff. Magazine with Stacy Keebler on the cover. Stuff was basically like one of those Maxim magazines that everybody was like copying. And oh yeah, you know she was she was in a. It was not a bikini. It was in a bedroom. But Michael's just like throw it in there. It's hot. <laughs> I'm like we have a shitload of these. I'm like all right, whatever. And then we found sweatbands. We nice. had bottle openers. Uh, we had cups for a while. We ran out of those. We had DVDs like Heatstroke or. Hot summer nights. Oh, nice! Uh, whatever, good. like summer heat wave, whatever DVD related that is. Then we had TNA balance beams, like those balance bracelets, because you would work out on the beach and it's so, like I said, stretching, guys, fucking stretching. And now this week's uh, box is baseball. So <laughs> what?
2: Next up for China is a feud with Chris Jericho. They'd meet at 99 Survivor Series in the match that followed Stone Cold getting hit
0: by a car. Yep, actually, I have, we did this on how did this get booked, which is uh, currently on hiatus right now. Just so you guys know, if you're curious why that isn't showing up in your feed, um, I need a little break. But regardless, I remember watching China wrestle as a child and be going like, "Man, China's really good," and just being very enthralled with her presence, and always thought she was a good wrestler after watching this match with Chris Jericho I realize and come to come to terms now that she was just she unfortunately wasn't as ready as she should been because they weren't letting her wrestle enough because it was hard finding guys that were willing to really work with her and you know they're putting her out there on TV to go out there and wrestle and she's probably not wrestling on the house show loops until this point right here in a career where she's the Intercontinental Champion she's just kind of thrown out there and learning on the fly in front of a crowd like WWE at its hottest times when house shows are selling out, and that is a tremendous amount of pressure, and then, you know, someone like Chris Jericho, who's really trying to impress everybody and show how good of a wrestler is, and talking China into doing things that she's probably physically not capable of doing but she's game for doing and does it and then it doesn't look all that great and then it's and chris gets all the credit oh he he carried china it's like well almost kind of burying china at the same time and putting him over at the same time which is a skill you have to have as a professional wrestler you have to be able to show everybody like hey i'm the good wrestler in here as opposed to going, hey, we created this great match. No, nowadays what you have to do is convey to everybody, like, no, I'm the better wrestler than this person. And do that inside of the match. And also trick that person into doing that. And that's, I feel like that's a little bit of what this is. But also, too, it's a little bit of, like, probably Jericho want to prove, like, I can have a good match with anybody. And you guys are saying you can't have a good match with China. I want to prove that. So Chris Jericho made the right career decision in doing that for sure. It uh, didn't do China any favors. I know that much. It didn't do the match any favors. But don't worry, Dave Meltzer praised him and his carry job for China. So uh, there's that. It, that's it, that's tough uh, with that. Like watching the Sur- Survivor Series matches, it is rough in spots, and there you could definitely see the, where the holes exist. So there's all of these elements, there's all of these things going around, and I think that's what makes this 99 match so clunky, is probably uh, a bit of ego on both ends, uh, everything that's going on, the circumstances we've placed upon this person, she's a, a big star, but is her in-ring ability up to par on that. I don't know. Chris is trying to prove himself in this new company that he's at. This is almost a test. So he's trying to convey that he's the better wrestler as opposed to yeah. putting on a good match. China's like, oh, I'm already a great wrestler. I got this going on. And then, you know, her skills are not up to snuff because there's not that many people that are willing to work with her at the time. So it's just a convergence of all kinds of things. And it's just it's sad because it's probably... Could have been a lot better.
2: To speak on that, this match ends with a top rope pedigree. They definitely don't get uh don't get it all. It looks pretty sloppy.
1: It's not a Pepsi plunge. It's not that. And also right around now is where she has uh Miss Kitty, aka Cat as her personal little slave. I don't remember the storyline with that either, but that starts about now.
2: After she beat Jeff, Kitty just kind of dipped and started being China's manager, I guess. Just like Mini China,
1: Austin Powers Two came out the same year, which had Mini Me in it. So there you go.
2: In a continuation of their feud, the next night on Raw, Chris smashed China's thumb with a hammer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember yeah. this. I remember seeing this live. This was oh, it's so amazing. Fucking confusing as fuck. Like this was like, what? What are we doing? Here? Yeah. Is this wrestling? I don't get.
1: It turns into torture porn, but also like a scene from Casino, and the lighting's all dark and fucked up. Yeah. I don't know. It's something. Um, it's definitely worth checking out.
2: They would have a rematch at the last pay per view of the 1900s at Armageddon. This time, Jericho catches China in the walls of Jericho, and there's no breaking it. Jericho gets the tap and the title, ending China's first IC title belt run.
1: And you got to give a shout out to Jericho for doing a drop kick to China's thumb (laughs) because he's still selling that story.
2: The two faced off again on December 28th SmackDown, and it ended in like a double pin situation. So Stephanie McMahon made them co-champions, although her co-champion title ring is no longer recognized by the WWE. Bullshit. They would settle this at 2000's Royal Rumble and a triple threat match this time adding Hardcore Holly to the mix. Hardcore Holly pushes China down at the start of the match and JR calls him a chauvinist but more like a chauvinist am I right?
1: Uh, Oh god I don't see what you did there. What'd you do? I I don't know.
2: China goes for her own Walls of Jericho and or Boston Crab but she gets a big old bulldog from Jericho and a lion's salt to take the pin and Jericho finally becomes undisputed champion
1: i really like this angle i wish they would do this more of just the whole all right you're both co-champions if either one of you lose it you both lose it so i know you both hate each other but you gotta help each other so you get jericho interfering in china's matches and vice versa and i don't know it it, it just made me feel like a little kid this angle it was so kind of stupid and silly but it's pretty fucking fun
2: so later that night at the Rumble, China would enter for the second time and she would toss out Jericho for another elimination uh, with a suplex from the apron. But then Big Boss Man shoves her right out before she could get back in the ring and again lasted about 30 seconds. At uh, WrestleMania 2000, which is WrestleMania 16, China teamed up with Too Cool to take on Eddie Guerrero, Saturn, and Dean Malenko of the New Radicals. And this is China's first ever WrestleMania as an in ring competitor she has a bit of a wardrobe malfunction here. Her uh, shiny ass pants kind of tear on the side. It got dicey there for a second, but despite that she hits Eddie with a testicular claw press slam and China pins Eddie in the middle. Uh, It's just clean pins Eddie Guerrero. It's pretty, pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. I want to put this over so hard because I think this is China's best moment of her career. I really do go back and watch this. They, Single her out to let her beat the shit out of everyone. So good. Not only does she do her flippy handspring elbow thing on Saturn, but then immediately after it, she hits one on Malenko, and I will admit I legit marked the fuck out. Right after that, she hits two double low blows, reverses a powerbomb on Eddie to hit a powerbomb on him, and then like Nick said, hits her testicular gorilla press. I was kind of shocked how much they put china over here it is it's kind of a sight to see man she look, and she looks like a million goddamn dollars she hits everything with malenko i mean i just i i was surprised how good she came off here it's beautiful
2: then during the summer of 2000 china and eddie would start a on-screen relationship what are your thoughts on this big china and eddie run
1: I forgot that uh, Eddie and China went to the prom because they were going to celebrate that Eddie finally got his GED.
0: (laughs) Well, also, too, this is the time where, like, Eddie came in that first night or two and he he blew out his elbow and he was just, you know, as we found out with Dark Side of the Ring, Eddie was, like, paranoid about his spot. Like, oh, they're going to fire me. I'm already small. They're already against me. And, you know, they don't know really what to do with China. They know she's a star. So, like, let's put these guys together and they're, they have low expectations and they're almost kind of hoping they fail, but somehow through the just sheer and raw fucking charisma of Eddie Guerrero and China, just her ability to just roll with the punches and work with Eddie and look for something different. And I, I think she, you know, obviously at this time she's, you know she's gearing up for her playboy appearance, or it's the idea of her being a sex symbol now is is being put in the forefront as opposed to being the heater, so the idea of this man who basically comes at her and like, you're a beautiful woman, and you should be cherished and and loved and all 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 of these things, and you should be adored and you know probably in herself personally she's probably looking for those things and then beginning to play that character on camera and then this man who's lively and fun to be around and just kind of doesn't have anything to lose because he realizes if this doesn't work he might get fired and so he's just swinging for the fences and you know she also probably recognized like hey a lot of people don't want to work with me for whatever reason either i'm a woman or because i'm confident in myself so there's probably some of that going on. So just two people that were willing to work together and make it work and people just kind of thrown together and like, oh, let's see what happens here. And it turns out to be 10 times better. And that's always the best thing in professional wrestling is when somebody gives up on you and they just put you together and they throw their hands up and they leave you alone and they just let you be creative and let you do your thing.
2: Eddie and China would face Val Venus and rookie Trish Stratus in an intergender tag team match at SummerSlam with the Intercontinental Championship on the line. If anyone on Val's team gets pinned by China or Eddie, they become the Intercontinental Champion, which led to China taking Val's Intercontinental Championship when she press slammed Trish, costing Val his title china's second ring though is not gonna be nearly as long or exciting two weeks later she lost to her own uh, i guess boyfriend at the time eddie guerrero in a triple threat match with kurt angle from here it was more uh working against too cool right to censor and even eddie himself after she caught eddie in the shower with two other women that to do it
1: oh eddie Ugh the wrestler i love so much and just to hear that it's very disappointing
2: and then uh november 2000 she do her first work in playboy which reminds me of the greatest picture of jake manning of all time
1: (laughs) we'll share it again the only thing that i had written down with that uh china said hunter was kind of a dick to her because she was just getting all this press for playboy and he was feeling a bit jealous and i don't know maybe uh hunter wanted to be in playgirl and show off his big schlong i don't know
2: her Playboy career would get worked into storylines as she'd start to feud with the right to censor, specifically uh, Ivory. She'd take on Ivory for the women's championship. As part of this, there was a kind of a beatdown where Ivory gave her a bunch of pile drivers, injuring her neck. And then when they met at 2001's Royal Rumble for the title, she did that really cool backhand spring elbow she always did. But when she did it, she like whiplashed herself, I guess, and fell down and Ivory gets to cover and China gets stretchered off.
1: I'm kind of surprised how much they sold it because JR tries to do his super somber thing. You got Billy Gunn coming out of the back like, you know, he's actually concerned. And then Lawler's saying that he tried to go speak to China but couldn't. And it really gives off some Owen Hart vibes, and it's really kind of fucking crazy. Yeah, man.
2: this and the uh, Austin getting hit by a car thing. I was like, Jesus, you know, this happened for real like three months <laughs> yeah. ago.
1: Well, you know, Vince was like, guys, you know when Owen Hart died? You were brilliant. Yeah, pretty much. Jesus Christ. <laughs>
2: God. So uh, after this match, Ivory would gloat about it, which led to China showing up and attacking her a couple times, building up to WrestleMania 17. When China would take on Ivory, rocking that good ass ring gear.
1: Fun gimmick for this match. Um, if Ivory breaks China's neck again, she can't sue her. <laughs> so that's exciting.
2: China puts Ivory away with her press slam in just under three minutes, and then she would go on to defend the women's title uh, against Ivory on a rematch on SmackDown. She'd successfully defend against Molly Holly and Trish and then rolled into Judgment Day 2001 and what would end up being China's last ever WWF match where she took on Lita.
0: I remember this match because there was almost a, a wardrobe malfunction in this yeah. one. Um, yeah. And I remember the crowd getting up for it. And, <laughs> it's, and I remember Jim Ross even making a comment like, oh, I'm really getting excited for this. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, man, they're just... A lot of dudes that are just watching this women's match hoping a boob pops out. Um, <laughs> I mean you know. I can't remember what MMA fighter I heard an interview with that, that she was talking about the early days of women's MMA that the only reason it existed is so men could like hopefully see a boob pop out. Like it kinda was this vibe right here and within the same time period and it's like, ugh, like it's 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 rough to think about. Like it's 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 in an armoringer spot, and it's that's always like a terrifying thing with female wrestlers. Like, ah, do I get enough tape? I mean, like they're taping themselves in. They're tape. They gotta look sexy, but it's in a tomb. Like, ah, I gotta actually do something to make sure that all this shit sticks together. You know, it's gotta be revealing, but not too revealing. But also has to be athletic. It's it's such a mind fuck.
2: This match, man, it looked like all the pieces came together for China. Like she was working really great. Man, it seemed like every this was it. This was like a defining moment where all the pieces were together. China could have took this belt and ran with it. We'll see. That's not gonna happen. But she puts Lita away with a big old power bomb, and afterwards they hug it out. They were doing this whole mutual respect thing. And uh, as many times as we've talked about what ifs with women's wrestling and the women's title, this is another one. This could have been the start of like the women's revolution right here.
0: Yeah, but also too you. <sighs> I remember her getting the belt and it being a situation of, like... I mean, I mean, they call her the ninth one of the world, you know, to make that comparison with Andre, and you don't put the belt on Andre because how are you going to get it off him? Yeah. It's kind of that with China. Like, there was no one in the women's division that I feel like credibly could have beaten her. So it was cool that they did it. Like, yeah, she should definitely be the women's champion. And, yeah, she's definitely going to be dominant. But, like... I don't know if they really thought about what the end of that story is and who is going to be the person that is going to overcome all of that. And that's what always and that happens a lot with men, too, is, is like, we got this monster. Let's put the belt on this monster. Who's going to beat this monster? I don't know. Like who who comes into a movie and we're like, we're going to create this destruction, destroying monster and they're just going to beat the shit out of somebody. Uh, and have no hero and no concept yeah, yeah. of like how is this monster going to be vanquished? We do it in professional wrestling all the time, and I feel like that's what they were doing with her and i mean it was it was good and but I don't know how many more months before like the crowd would have turned on it to be really quite honest i mean it's 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 a tough spot, but they kind of should have maybe thought in a different time you know like and unfortunately that that's like the rough spot a lot of women in this era they're not given time to work they're not given opportunities to work they're given you know a couple minutes here or they're not even wrestling on the house shows or it's 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 tough for them to get the reps to to get better and a lot of the women coming up at this time are wrestling men all the time in training you know because there's not that many females and in the independent wrestling scene if a woman wants to wrestle another woman on a show You have to know another woman that's good. And typically, they're six hours away. So it's like, hey, I got a show in Illinois. Okay, I know a girl who lives in Kansas City. I live in Minnesota. We'll both be there. Like, that's basically what women's wrestling is at this moment in time. And even at the highest level, it's like you you can't filter the talent to that.
1: Do you think it would have just been a simple booking decision to just start her off with the women's title and then have her for like six months just crush one woman after another and then give her a Jarrett Jericho type feud to say like all right the women's division I can't do anything in it now I'm gonna elevate now I'm going for some fucking men
0: well then you're shitting on the women's division
1: I mean it's true yeah I was like yeah, you're so fucked either you, way. you
0: you you've got you've got to think of like who could we get at the end like it- I fucking hate this this is the thing i hate the most of booking like let's just go ahead and do this and like okay let's great. well what's the next thing right right how do we get okay you're gonna we're gonna go ahead and, and put the belt on this person or we're gonna go ahead and make this person the big star i'm like okay well what's gonna be the thing that stops that person what's the thing if you're if uh, this good guy what's gonna be the thing where he gets it's a little bit different when you have have this good guy running through people and you can just create a monster factor you don't have a Factory of challengers for China. Like I said, when did you get the Lita? It's like okay, well, Trish isn't ready. We've gotten through Ivory. Are we gonna throw Jackie out here? I, I mean, no. we're, we're gonna where are we where are we going next? You know, and it's tough like that. It's it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna do something like this, it's just like she it's almost like you make it a placeholder, and that's not great too. But at the same time too, what you want as a company is you want China to have the belt. I mean, big picture wise you know, they should have done it. It's not great narratively wise, but what you want is you want her to have the belt around her waist and then you have Stone Cold Steve Austin have the belt around his waist or The Rock or whoever. So that way, when you do media appearances, you have Rock showing up with a belt and China showing up with a belt. That's essentially what you want because those are your two biggest mainstream stars this time and you want them both to have belts when they make appearances at that time. And as she does appearances to promote playboy and all that stuff you want her to have a belt with her
2: but this is a problem that wwe created itself by hiring miss kitties and sables and and not having a trained women wrestler in the fucking company sometimes like it's well
0: there weren't that many at the time that's the problem
2: you put this impossible champion up and realistically no one's beating china i 100% agree on that go out and fucking find her challengers you're doing it for the men you're doing it for triple h you're 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 calling up fucking football players because they look like they can beat up triple h like why can't you go out and spend five percent of your fucking time looking for a credible woman to revive the women's division while you have what could have been one of the goats with your belt right now like why just be like well we don't have anyone i guess i'll go fucking fuck off
0: because you have dinosaurs yeah. You have dinosaurs that think women's wrestling doesn't mean anything And sees them as no different than the midgets That's why they, You have you have shitty people in positions of power I'm sorry if that upsets people But that's <laughs> what the reality was We are talking about past histories And you have to know that, that There was shitty individuals Calling the fucking shots for years They did the same thing to fucking indie guys You know so they, they were doing it just as much to fucking anybody that was uh, an independent wrestling superstar as they were to women that really loved professional wrestling. They were crushing their fucking dreams.
2: Well, they wouldn't have to deal with it because in November 2001, China is going to leave the company. There are a million versions of this. You know, there's a there's yeah versions here, or there that she wanted like an impossible amount of money, which may be true. Bruce Pritchard says, oh,
0: oh, oh, that,
2: oh. <laughs> but I think the biggest factor here, maybe, maybe not trips was cheating on China with uh, Stephanie McMahon, no matter if that's true or not, they definitely broke up. And, you know, that situation is hard for everyone involved, especially when his new girlfriend is the boss's daughter. There's so much tension back there, no matter how adult and how professional you want to be about it what do you guys think about this
1: hearing all the different sides of who knew when and if they were still together i've come to like a point where i can't trust anybody so i can't almost form a fucking opinion at that level when you're trying to tell your side of the story to make you look good or make you look like this person fucked me it's just i i have a hard time just like i don't trust anybody But I would just like to say, if you're a big China mark and you want to feel good about this horrible thing that happened, go to the 831-2000 Smackdown and China DDT's the living fuck out of Stephanie (laughs) and it looks really, really nice.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I agree with Mike on that. I think it falls into the Keith Hart philosophy that I have. When I was filming the Dynamite Kid documentary, I remember we sat down with Keith Hart, who's probably the most level-headed of everyone in the Hart family. And obviously his family, everybody in his family has written a book and he put it like this. He goes, you know, everybody's written books, everybody's done interviews and everybody said this and they're all different. Every single one of them contradict each other, but to them, it's the truth. That is their truth. That's how they see it because of whatever situation. Because this happened and this happened and this happened to them. This made them feel this way. This painted their opinion upon it. They this person said this when they really meant that. These things happened. The they heard this that happened. They this person's lying. This person is seeing it this way. This person's perception is a little bit different, so they add a different word to the story. But in their mind, it's true because that's what they perceived happen. And that's pretty much how I feel about this whole thing. Everybody's story is completely different and none of it makes sense. Truth will never matter. That's why I sit down. Like if it's ever a situation like, you know what? I, I like this person who's in wrestling. And it's like, I have to sit down and think, I'm like, all right, well, what's the pros and the cons here? Just by even sending a message here or talking to this person outside of a, like a professional manner, like, what's the pros, what's the cons, what's the negatives that could come up here, how should I approach this, What what's the most respectable way and also too, like, I may say something and she might not dig it so like, okay, well, that would be embarrassing and then she's going to tell everybody, like, oh Man Scout, like, tried to hit on me and he's a piece, you know, not he's a piece of shit, but he's just like, ah, oh, can you believe the balls on him to even think that he has the right to even talk to me, like, I don't want that because I want people to like me, and then there's the thought process of like, well, you know, like She's there. I'm here. How's that going to work out? Also, too, it's like, where's she at in her career? Where am I at in mine? Like, anytime I've ever, like, even sent a message or had a conversation that was outside of the, like, hey, where's the locker room at? Is it right if I put my my T-shirts out on this table? Anything beyond that. It's like, you know, you really got to put a lot of thought to a conversation like that because you don't want a result like this where, like, oh, because this person's here, I can't be here anymore because... It goes like that, you know, this person has a bad perception of you. Like right? I've said before, I'm never getting booked with Ring of Honor because Delirious has a bad perception of me being the interview guy on Shoot interviews where some of his talent said some things that were disparaging towards the company. Um, mm. Even though I didn't say those things, but uh, because I ran the interview, uh, I'm Christ. seen as a fucking monster. And he has a bad taste in his mouth every time he sees me, and that's all he that's sees me so as the guy. Funny. So that's just how it is. There's there's multiple companies that are like, oh fuck, high spots. Oh, Jake works for high spots. Yeah, we're not booking him, even though I did absolutely nothing to them. And imagine that with personal fucking feelings. And imagine wow. that with one of the biggest companies in the world, and then mix in egos and money, and it's just a fucking shitty situation.
1: Jake nailed it right there. Just thinking about for myself, no matter what side of the story you believe or the many, many sides of the story, just the empathy and sympathy I have for China in this fucked up situation no matter how the breakup went down i mean just for myself and i know most of our listeners can identify with this of just having a bad breakup and you having that group of friends that you all kind of shared and getting fucked up and thinking how things are going to go from here on and you're just you know in one little small town in one little small part of that town and china's in this thing in a four-year relationship that's you know all over fucking tv millions and millions of dollars involved and hundreds of thousands millions of eyes on you i just can't imagine how that would feel because i've had those horrible weeks where you do jack shit you feel terrible just thinking about how you're going to cope and how life's going to go on because the horrible fucking breakup you had and nobody had the same amount of eyes or no one was over analyzing everything i did and what happened i just can't contemplate how you are able to deal with that shit so what she went through no matter how it happened I can't fucking imagine. And bravo for just her surviving that time and getting out of it with her head on her shoulders.
2: Following China's exit from the WWF, she'd head over to New Japan in 2002.
1: Dude, she got to go to the Inoki Dojo in Japan and hang out with Bob Sapp, oh, a.k.a. Wow. <laughs> if a feather touches my shoulder, I fall down and make $500,000 not cracking on him. Great fucking racket. And uh, Mr. Boss Rutin a.k.a. one of the greatest MMA artists of all time. And if you want to watch some good self-defense outtake hilarious videos on YouTube, check out Boss Ruten, who I will say his BOOM rivals John Madden's
0: BOOM! <laughs> yeah, this, this New Japan stuff is it's pretty interesting. Like, the, some of the matches she had with Chono and... Uh, I think she even like wrestled Liger too. Like yep. there's just like these weird matches. Like it's kind of like the lost era of China. And like sometimes people will post gifs online. And you're like, oh, this is this is interesting because some of like the biggest superstars in New Japan were like selling their ass off for China, and and they were doing some stuff that was like super cool to put her over and to incorporate her. And like it, it's fascinating. It's kind of kind of fun is. to go back and watch
1: the weirdest thing in all this. Type I think it's on YouTube, it's titled China's Japan Journey 2002, and they kind of do a documentary, kind of kayfabe thing about her match with Shono, and then it cuts to China and Antonio Inoki on Fox's Best Damn Sports Show, which is a fucking image I didn't think would ever exist, and you get Inoki on the Best Damn Sports Show, does that still exist? I don't know. Doing a translator interview with, uh, I don't fucking remember his name, but it's just one of those weird, I didn't think this would ever exist moments thank you tin pod for making me fucking realize this
0: was tom arnold on the best day of the he Sports wasn't show?
1: he wasn't it was the main host guy i don't even okay i was his gonna name. say
0: tom arnold talking to antonio Inoki <laughs> yeah, is just yeah. something that i didn't know that i wanted in reality and i don't think i i still don't i still don't i still don't no, want no, that in no. reality it just would fascinate me i think is the best way to put it
2: <laughs> i left when john sally left
1: oh my god god yeah he was on there too jesus
2: after japan china wanted to fulfill her childhood dream of getting into the tvs and movies
1: a lot of the crazy stuff that china got in got into then um i watched this an hour before we recorded but you can look up illegal aliens 2007 starring china and anna nicole smith it is charlie's angels meets men in black where china plays the villain and for a man who loves B-movie trash and has a certain uh, fascination and love for it, um, she actually, her performance is so over the top, it's fucking good. In these movies, you gotta be committed to how stupid or ridiculous you are and not kind of be dragging. And China goes for it. I bravo clap to her. Um, China also auditioned for the role as the female villain in Terminator 3. Had a celebrity boxing match with Joey Buttafuco. That's right. And I, for this podcast, watched a Court TV episode of Christina's Court where China was trying to get $5,000 back from a dog breeder who wouldn't give her the teacup chihuahuas that she paid for.
2: She would do her second appearance in Playboy in 2002. Also in 2002, China would begin a real-life relationship with X-Pac, and this is a horrible time in both of their lives. I remember the first time I met X Pac, he asked me what my podcast was about, and I said dead wrestlers, which in retro, which in <laughs> retrospect is like a crazy insensitive as fuck. Did you stare at him in his eyes? As no, you said I that? immediately was like, I could have phrased that better.
0: And I'm surprised you didn't say your boy X Pac. I'm a little disappointed, but I do like that you got into the story of you knowing X Pac in less than thirty
2: seconds. So <laughs> I say that to say this his response to that was like oh yeah i was almost one of them he was he knows how fucked up he was and what we're about to talk about is kind of horrible he takes a lot of guilt and blame for it. i think even you know spoke at china's funeral and kind of blamed himself and man he spent i think a lot of time working on himself and china just sadly didn't get that opportunity man they'd start hardcore partying and china got really really into meth and, you know, this ruined a lot of her shots in Hollywood. She was missing auditions. And, you know, if you're trying to make it out here with a million other people who are trying to make it out here, you, you can't do that shit.
0: And there's Nicholas talking about it. he lives in L.A. <laughs> that, that took a little bit longer than expected. But, uh, you know, it's like, you know, if you want to make it out here in L.A. where I reside, <laughs> if you're curious how it works out here in the big time.
1: And if you want to go down the Opie and Anthony China Xbox rabbit hole like I did, I would not recommend it. I'd just listen to what I'm about to say and not watch the hours of videos that are on YouTube. But just to be honest, I feel like Sean is so fucking upfront with how shitty he was back then. The way he talks, I believe him. China doesn't come off too good here, but there's also... That angle where Waltman admits that he was doing a shitload more drugs. And while I believe him, and I feel I feel he has a great fucking heart, and he's really tried to correct all his bullshit. Him saying he did so many more drugs, it's hard to believe everything he says. I truly believe he believes everything he's saying, but it's hard when you're that messed up and your memory to have that good of clarity. And it it was just a shit show. It was a pure shit show. Watching all the back and forth with them, it was just it was just sad. It was just sad. And Sean's trying to move on, and there's a part of China that just can't. And it's just it's it's like in a different time and a different in different timing. They might have been good together, but at that point, it was a perfect storm of fucking both their lives up. And don't watch all the Opie and Anthony videos for the love of God.
2: All right, so we can't talk about x in China without talking about the 2004 sex tape,
1: One Night in China. Sean said that the shoot lasted eight hours, and that was disturbing as fuck to me. Eight hours of porn of trying to... I don't know. Did they have fluffers? <laughs> I don't know. It just...
0: Ugh. It is available at highspots.com. Oh, <laughs> wow. Is
1: it? Is it really? Yeah.
0: Yeah! Oh my God! It is in the hallway, uh, right in front of my office. It is right in front of the shipping room. So every time that I drop an order off, I walk right by a whole bundle of Throw
2: those up on the auction. In '05, they would reach a new low in their relationship. Uh, China <laughs> broke Xbox nose, and you know the cops were called. And then we get into stuff like her being on The Surreal Life, which I remember watching because she was on it and, you know, she was drunk the entire time, which leads to her being on Celebrity Rehab and all the train wreck Howard Stern appearances.
1: I couldn't find the train wreck episode of the Howard Stern. I found every single one but that one. All the rest were pretty good. She's like singing, but I couldn't find I, It's one, It's It's like the porn stuff. I just like it didn't want to do it so i'm glad i couldn't find it and also to talk about the pain in these two people it's it's fucking rough man
2: and then china would y- you hoped that she was you know making a comeback here in may of 2011 she showed up on impact and made her tna debut
1: she's in all red white and blue to go along with kurt angle and the fucked up angle god i didn't even realize that stupid pun but Kurt uh hires a mystery mistress to beat the shit out of his ex-wife Karen. And to quote Kurt Angle, I won't hit a woman, but I'll hire someone who will. And then he brings out China.
2: Did you guys watch the sacrifice match or remember it?
1: Yeah, it's not much of much. Um China hits a pedigree on Karen. They do the ankle locks. There's not there's not much to it. Did you get yeah, to watch it Yeah, It
2: was uh you know, they did the kind of cowardly hill is it even cowardly hill? If the wrestler literally can't wrestle, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. It's like no, I know I'm gonna get beat up. I don't want to get beat up.
0: The realistically uh, untrained (laughs) wrestler spot. Yeah, I don't know how to wrestle, and I'm in here with wrestlers. I'm scared.
2: Her run in TNA is pretty short, and also in 2011 she would just go full blown into porn, which you know it's fine if that's what you want to do.
0: Well, actually, the the TNA run was so short because as Bruce Richard will say, like you know she didn't. Let them know that the that she was doing porn, uh, and so they're like, right. "Oh, we, we can't have anybody that's doing porn be here." And you didn't tell us in advance, so we got surprised by this. So you're fired for not telling us in advance. And it's like, so, <laughs> like, I don't know. We've just got ha- we got hangups of sex yeah. in this country. I mean, heck, I was giggling about Mark Henry open up a fucking Playboy about an hour ago. So I mean, it's whatever, man.
1: Yeah, she got she got fired from a company called TNA <laughs> for doing porn.
0: Yeah, and not telling them. And it's just, <laughs> just so dumb. We all watch
2: porn. We all have sex. Unless you're a Roman Reigns fan, am I right? Oh, I just burned you. I just burned along.
1: Boom. Jesus. I mean, is there even
2: a difference between porn and pro wrestling with all the fake relationships and no, no. the, no, the yeah, scripted it's... action? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I will say this porn or not porn China as She-Hulk is the greatest fucking casting in history
1: no it's pretty good and she's going to fucklemania and she's got a (sighs) jizzapalooza match and uh this is I I know this Jake didn't expect this but uh there's a Bret Hart porn parody and for Bret Hart's porn parody he gets the intro of trained by his father Stu Hart who also has a massive (laughs) cock
0: come here let me show you something let me show you. Let me let me show you something, and no, so be my fucking huge.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sidebar on this, I would just like to give a shout out, but a Barry to all the kayfabe commentary fan questions with Sean Oliver. Those might be the most unbearable oh things God. that have ever existed in the history of shoot interviews. But uh, there's one great moment where there's a, a it's fuck Mary kill. And the proposed people to China are Casey Anthony, O.J., and Stephanie McMahon, and she bypasses all that, and China just says, "I'd make a lot of money if I fucked Casey Anthony."
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I hate fan questions. I really—they're like... terrible.
1: They're god awful. I would just like to say that our fans actually have asked awesome questions when we've done Q and A's.
0: Oh yeah, our fan our fans are fantastic. Let me let me get that fucking out, out of the way. Our fans, the best fucking questions. Other fucking places? I don't know what. I don't know, like mainstream anything fucking whatever. Those fucking questions. Like, when I walk back there and I hear black shoes listening to busted open radio, what the fuck are those fans? Even t- <laughs> those fans are dumb. They're so dumb. I, is the is fact because it's radio that makes you dumb? Like, I don't want, like, anytime a TV show or a radio show, like, let's hear it from the fans. I'm like, I changed the channel immediately. <laughs> I will, But I will do a 10-bell pod Patreon Q&A any fucking day of the week. But I fucking hate fan questions on TV and radio shows. That is an immediate shut the fucking TV off. Not even change the channel. I'll shut the fucking TV off and not watch that channel (laughs) for at least two or three days.
1: Oh, boy. I would just like to point out another amazing question by our folks at RF Video. uh, Getting into her downfall portion. This is the question that is asked do you think losing your relationship and job and depression contributed to your drug <laughs> abuse? China has a beat in with true indignation. Just like, yeah, of course it just, it, it's one of those. You're just like, I need to pause this and have a moment. Cause I'm fucking enraged. And then
0: Rob went, huh. <laughs> 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 okay. My next question for you is what'd you think of the Montreal screwdriver? <laughs>
2: China actually escaped to Japan here, where she wanted to get away from all the shit. She went over there, she taught English, but her personal demons were right there behind her. I think she got fired for uh, coming into work drunk. She had some suicide attempts in Japan, which is no good.
1: Yeah, she admitted those. And,
2: um, I think it was around 2015, she came back to America and she started working with her manager on like just this big comeback documentary and immediately hit some speed bumps. One of the first things she did, she went to WWE headquarters and asked to speak to vince because something that had just been grinding on her day in and day out is that they never asked her to be in the wwe hall of fame so she went to confront vince they wouldn't they you know she didn't even get past the front desk they kicked her out which is you know i don't know if she was being hostile or they were being shitty and then as part of the documentary the producer had set up a reunion between china and her mother which of course caused a lot of emotions and china ended up getting really fucked up and sending her some mean messages which that added a lot of drama which led to china firing her manager and blowing up the whole thing did you guys get into like her youtube at all
1: yeah i watched some of the videos it was i watched the last one before she passes away that was rough the one where she accused triple h of hitting her which just kind of comes out of left field it's just yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's rough. But like I said, man, my heart fucking goes out to her. Just life's tough, and I live in a small little podunk town, and nobody really pays attention to me, and I overanalyze and go insane myself. So I, I can't imagine dealing with all this. And it's just, so many people just fucking make fun of people at this point of their life. And I'm just impressed that she's still going and was still doing it. I just, I don't, my fucking heart hurts watching some of those videos she was in a bad spot she's just in a bad spot
2: so she'd hop back on the convention circuit which you know it's a good way to grind out some money but that leads to the week me and jake were at wrestlecon she no-showed and it came out that on april 20th 2016 china was found dead in her home in redondo beach california she was 46 years old She went radio silent with her family and her friends, and uh, even her ex-manager couldn't get a hold of her. He went to her place and found her. Coroner and forensic pathologist Michael Hunter said that the amount of pills she had in her were therapeutic level. So, you know, this was completely an accident. The problem was is that, as uh, Michael mentioned, the last ever YouTube video, she's clearly wasted later yeah. that night she had some friends come over they drank some more you're you're drunk minded you're like oh fuck i gotta take my medication that all mixes up and it's just too damn much man and you know we can get into the aftermath at, at her funeral not many people went it was just rvd Molina, and x uh for a woman who was a fucking damn. titan of her industry and there is a video of x Pac saying you know this is pretty brutal that uh He wanted to say in front of everyone that, Joni, I'm really sorry. I hope you forgive me for not taking better care of you. And I think there are a lot of people in the wrestling world who could probably say that same damn thing, but it seems like they finally kind of came around in last year's Hall of Fame. She was inducted as part of DX.
1: It was a long time coming. The other cool thing was kind of to go along with this. I would also watch the behind the scenes. There's like a phone interview with Triple H before it happens. And just Triple H finally talking about her and putting her over because the way it sounded like, you know, that they had no communication and he just kind of x her from his entire life. The emotion there is so fucking raw and, and finally there. And
2: just them like teasing, saying her name, got a fucking standing ovation. And right. thank you, China, yeah. Chance, you deserve it, Chance. And uh, yep. Shawn Michaels wrapped it up by saying, you know, they wouldn't be there without her contributions. And they put a picture up on the TitanTron and it was I mean it's a very heavy beautiful moment. Hell yeah, man. So I don't know, final thoughts on the Great China.
1: What can I say about the jacked up Jezebel as Jim Ross would say. There's a story that China had an ovarian tumor, but her abdominal muscles were so strong that she felt no pain. That's a good like Paul Bunyan type story for China cuz she was that much of a badass. I'll never forget the big pyro bazooka thing that she shot into the crowd that I always worried would catch fire and kill people. <laughs> but that was always a cool little bonus when China was there. China interfered in so many matches and got X Pac and Triple H wins. I want a weird tally on how many wins she got in the history of DX. I want that shit. When China talked about how much before she went through the curtain, every single night, How she would almost have a breakdown because she cared so fucking much about looking good out there and performing to the best of her ability. Those little admittance make you connect with someone. You understand that person. I do that same shit. I'm sure tons of people out there listening do. You just, you want to do so good and you've built up to these moments and even at China's level where you think, oh, she's successful, she fucking made it. She's a natural. Nah, she's still fucking wanting to do better, worried about it, because if you worry, you care. And China's little moments like that just, it really hit me, man. And it's just, I, I don't know what else I can say that I haven't said already about just, she was in a bad state of mind a lot of the times, but the fact she pushed through so much of the shit honestly impressed me. I just can't fathom the weight of the feelings that she felt and for her to succeed at that level i'm just it boggles my mind i don't know china was fucking amazing she will never ever leave my memories of early wrestling nostalgia the way you thought that woman could beat the shit out of every man in the wwf it was it was special and she gave that extra bonus to dx that made them a special stable instead of just a bunch of other tough guys there was dimensions thanks to china
0: i'm just going to keep mine real short like, it's. This one was a tough one to do for me. Like, if you couldn't tell, I'm all disconjoined and all over the place, but I know we had to get something out and we have Patreon followers. Like, I, I you know, and I, I'm super busy the next couple of weeks and I have to get shit done. And, uh, you know, um, so this one was a tough one for me. And then also, the subject matter wasn't all that great for me mentally either because China had a very rough life and the idea of a lot of things. You know, and, and fighting for people's attention and people's reactions to the things you do and becoming a punchline and all those things. But I'm I'm already rambling longer than I expected. It just, this business can chew you up and spit you out. And some people are just casualties. And that's sad because they're real human beings at the end of the day. So she deserved better. That's all I'm going to say.
2: We've said all the great things that China's done and, you know, we historic Trailblazer, you know, all this stuff that gets always tossed out when China gets brought up, but you know, she really did put in the work and she got better and you could watch her get better before your eyes and you know that's really cool. She seemed to care about the fans. She cared about the fans so much that I it like broke her, I think. And I don't know. I I think China is a good example of you gotta fucking be there for people, man. We're recording this the day after i just found out that another comedian fucking died and i watched him self-destruct like and you know it's someone i had a lot of conversations with and and you know he was pretty fucking crazy at times man so was china and and it's like could i have said something to make him act different or or not fucking do heroin could a wrestler have reached out to China and been like, listen, you got to get help. Joni, you know, you got, this is, this is too much. Like the laundry list of trauma we listed off that China experienced. is fucking insane that she survived to even make it to WWF. She, she was a very strong person. And then she, she let the other shit overtake her. And, you know, you got to reach out to people. So even when they're being dicks, because if you don't you're gonna lose them forever and who could have said three words to her to prevent this i don't know you you got to treat people better and when they're acting at their worst sometimes that's when you have to be like there for them more and i don't know man this is a brutal story this is one of the saddest ones we've had to talk about and it's a fucking shame because she was so damn good at what she did and she, you know i put her on my fucking you know we did the, we do the little rushmore thing china was like a no-brainer for me man she was a sign of things to come for women's wrestling. And, you know, she, she took the bullet on a lot of shit. I bet man, uh, so that it could be what it is today. And, you know, she deserves to be in the hall of fame. I'm glad she's in there with DX, but she also deserves her own, like, you know, moment in the sun, her own induction. And, you know, I hope she gets that one day. China was the best. And, you know, let's, let's start remembering her for all the good shit. She did her run was special. Yep all right so that is our two-year episode shit man thank you guys for listening we have so many fucking amazing listeners i don't i can't name them by name because i'll forget someone and then i'll feel guilty and i'll
1: so we just won't name anybody i like it no it actually makes sense But i mean like
2: holy shit man i mean some of you guys i i feel like i've kind of become friends with it's you it's been a lot of a lot of support sent our way for something that i don't know i mean this could have been over fucking after 12 episodes or something but we're we're still chugging along and i'm sure they'll want to share their thoughts on it too but quickly let's get to some patreon thank
0: yous jacob um yes, you send me one and I already think the first name oh, is misspelled. <laughs> uh it's Brian Brian Pettit, but I think it's Brian, yes, Brian Pettis, Pettis, if I'm not mistaken. If it's Oh, the same, you are right. Yeah, it's definitely Brian Pettis because he's always it, on auctions. I was like right away, I'm like, that's incorrect <laughs> because I know Brian Pettis. Uh Brian Pettis is an awesome individual. Also too, Seth Webb is an awesome individual. Uh Chris uh Lazou Lazau uh, Chris Lazau. Very active on all of our social media comments and everything and put hashtag Vader, so thank you very much, Chris, for that. Also to Shelby, no last name. Thank you so much, Shelby. I appreciate that um, for your donation to our Patreon. Also, thank you to Keaton Stoneburner. I think the Keaton is probably the same Keaton that wrote us the review for How to This Get Booked." So thank you, Keaton, for coming on over. And also to big thank you to Miles Kane for upping his pledge to $20. That's a great help. Uh, all these kind of came in all at once and just kind of bam, bam, bam out of nowhere. And when you guys do that, it, it really you know, is worth it to us and makes us feel like, you know, we're we're doing something that you guys want to hear and see and listen to. So thank you very much for that. It just kind of keeps us going and, and and justifies us doing this. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I can't believe we've made it two years. Like Nick's mentioned before, it's one of the most fulfilling creative endeavors. Kept me up at night when I fuck up, and it's made me beam like a fucking star when we nail it. So the fact that we get a lot of appreciation it really does make life better. So we're getting better as we go. We're still trying to do better and produce and have stupid, funnier, dumb shit. But um, yeah, we made it two years. Fuck. I just, hopefully at some point we can all hang out and can really give you a hug, appreciation, handshake. But it's been a fun, great two years. Let's see. Uh,
2: <laughs> Patreon.com slash TimbellPot. TimbellPot.com. Find us on social media. I don't know. Bye.
1: Hello, this is Micah Joseph Loving for Tim Bell Pod. I don't know why I told you my middle name. Nobody gives a fuck about a middle name, but I did that. Just letting you know about Patreon, you probably already know about it, but me, Jake, and Nick do all types of cool bonus episodes, kind of cut loose, lose our mind. It's, It's a blast. And those usually run you about five bucks if you want to get a hold of those, but any dollar amount would be appreciated. And then if you're really interested, you could ask for our address and send us the deed to your car. I don't care. I mean, something like that. But, yep, I don't know what else to say, so Patreon, fart.